Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 27th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great today, Cameron. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It is truly a great day. We get to record this podcast bright and early, then everybody is going to go to work, then we're going to reconvene at the Tournament of Champions tonight. It's a big day. It's a big day for the for the old podcast. We got some shirts in that we'll be wearing. We got media credentials waiting for us. So exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, ready to get started. But first, we have to do this podcast. We have to recap a couple games that Missouri played. And before we do any of that, let's jump into the news. It's a short news week. Um, we've just got a couple items here. Missouri basketball offered a 2019 forward, Myron Gardner. He plays for Spire Academy with LaMelo Ball and Rocket Watts. Yeah, he uh, had a pretty big game recently. He's had some really some really big games recently, so uh, Missouri trying to, trying to jump in for the Gardner sweet stakes. And another item, wide receiver Jeff Thomas, you may have heard of him, is headed back to Miami. He transferred from Miami to Illinois and... Didn't stay there very long before heading back to Miami. Yeah, Jeff Thomas is at Miami with with Mark Richt, and uh, obviously is cl- completely clashing with the with the whole coaching staff. So he he transfers to Illinois. Mark Richt gets fired, and uh, or actually, did he just retire? Or did he get I think fired? He retired. Okay, so maybe yeah. he leaves on his own power. Uh, the new coach comes in, fires all the offensive staff. Jeff Thomas says, "Okay, maybe I want to go back." So he does. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even know that you could do that. To be completely, to be honest, to like announce a transfer. I guess yeah. he didn't actually transfer. He just announced that he was going to. Since he so. didn't enroll, I yeah, guess it so, doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know if it would matter if he did, but so I'm not. I'm not like a big Illinois fan or anything. So uh, in fact, I'm quite the opposite. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, but. Lovey Smith is still staying positive. He's just looking forward to the yeah, future. Yeah, I saw Lovey Smith tweeted like I L L like 20 minutes after that announcement. So just I thought that was pretty hilarious. Also, staying positive. <laughs> no big deal. On the Mizzou football side of things, uh, they just sent out a bunch of offers. Um, I don't even remember all the names because it kind of went in a flurry there. Yeah, but they're definitely getting. They sent out a couple of. Uh, 2020 quarterback offers which I thought was a little bit interesting because we've got <clears throat> Brady Cook um, currently committed in the 2020 class I think he's the guy from Chaminade mm-hmm. and St. Louis so um, it's a, maybe a little bit interesting that they you know are continuing to offer quarterbacks but um, you got to have a good quarterback so that's the, probably the most important position on the field and having and options at quarterback only, doesn't hurt only one guy gets to play quarterback usually so yeah you want to have you want to have options okay well enough of that football nonsense let's talk basketball and i'm gonna need you to remember back all the way to last saturday oh i unfortunately remember (laughs) when missouri played the south carolina gamecocks it was actually sunday but sunday right it was supposed to be saturday yeah but weather and snow pushed it back to sunday Mm mm-hmm so Missouri lost this one 85 to 75 and we might as well just start this off by talking about Jeremiah Tillman that's what everybody he's the uh, main topic of conversation all across Mizzou media right now and fittingly the very first line in the play-by-play of the South Carolina game was foul on Jeremiah Tillman 
So he had five fouls in 13 minutes in this one, uh, the third straight game that he fouled out of. And in those three games, he averaged his five fouls in less than 12 minutes. And he also had less than four points per game and just one rebound per game in those three. Yeah, so we we just, and this isn't like breaking news or anything, but we're not going to win very many games, especially in the SEC, whenever Tillman's doing this mm-hmm. and is on the bench. Um, that is to no surprise of anyone um, that we just, we have no front court depth whatsoever. Um, so... And I, I know we watched uh, we watched Alabama last night, and we'll talk about that game in a little bit. But um, even when Tillman is in the game and you know is playing, it it still to me looks like he, that's all he can think about is I can't foul, I can't foul, mm-hmm. I can't even touch anybody, and he he just looks scarred at this point. Yeah, this the South Carolina game was weird because I thought. Every time he fouls out, not all of his fouls are earned, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, at least two of them are usually questionable at best. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you see like the offensive foul at, towards the end of the game where he's just kind of getting position and Chris Silva falls down and Silva was even kind of pulling on Tillman and then Tillman gets called for the foul, that's when it's just like, what is he supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And I saw there's a lot of people talking about what what he should do and people saying that Conzo should bring him off the bench people saying that they should just use him differently and not just rely on him posting up on the block where it's more physical let him operate in some space and I don't know I just think it's all going to be up to Tillman I mean I think like you said we'll get to the Alabama game where he kind of where he stayed on the floor for a lot longer but wasn't as effective as we've seen so but that's the first step is just staying on the on the floor longer and then working back into the the effectiveness that he showed there at the end of the non-conference season yeah i've seen a few um ideas i suppose i guess as well um i don't yeah i think tillman is where he needs to be on the floor he's just gonna have to play smart Mm -hmm. and um i've seen some some fans suggesting that Conzo should go off on the refs and really make a scene and um I'm not sure that I, I mean I, I know Conzo he shows great respect to the refs uh, I think I really like that about him um he I'm sure that he could probably get you know get angry a couple times it's probably no big deal but um yeah I think that Tillman just kind of ha- has a reputation um every team knows that and comes right at him at the beginning of every single game they're gonna flop when he they when, flop he, touches when them. he does anything yep. and the refs probably haven't sat down and observed film uh for all of Tillman's games so they've just hear uh, this kid fouls a lot and they just know this kid fouls out a lot so that's probably all they have in mind whenever they're calling these games so um it's just it is going to take a really long time for Tillman to learn how to play smarter because some of these fouls are earned and he's just playing too aggressively and trying to make space for maybe a little bit too long Mm -hmm. um, whenever he knows that these things are are out there and on the line so um, it's going to take a long time to reverse this trend I think Um, and I hope that it has not become his the only thing he can focus on because he still needs to develop the other aspects of his game but I'm afraid that the only thing he's trying to develop now is just how not to get called for fouls right well in this South Carolina game specifically um, Missouri was was in it 
right with South Carolina early, uh, mainly because of three-point shooting. Um, we saw some early threes from Pickett and Torrance Watson and Geist and Perrier as well in the first half. Um, but they just couldn't get anything going inside. And South Carolina, they lived at the free throw line. And I talked about this when we were previewing South Carolina. They have just that's been the difference in a few games for them this year is just their ability to get to the free throw line. And that looked like it was the difference in the first half in that Missouri's three-point shooting was basically just canceled out by South Carolina getting to the free throw line. And um, Missouri just, they can't shoot. They'll go on stretches where they shoot threes really well and make, you know, three out of four for a stretch or five out of seven in a stretch but that that's just not sustainable so Mm -hmm. eventually they cooled off started turning up turning the ball over a little bit um but i thought they did a good job just to keep the halftime deficit at just six because it looked like it could it could have been 12 yeah just as easily i understand that mizzou is probably never going to shoot as many free throws as some of the other teams they're going to play just based on their offensive style right now they just shoot a lot of threes because that's what they do well and obviously we've talked about it they don't have a lot of front court options so they don't really I think Torrance Watson and and Pickett could both become guys that that drive and get to the rim consistently but right now neither one of them do it a whole lot so we don't really get to the free throw line a lot and that's fine because we don't play in a way that would that would draw a lot of fouls but when South Carolina literally has like four or five times as many free throw attempts as we do in the first half, mm-hmm. it certainly seems a little unfair. <laughs> I was starting to get pretty frustrated about um, just, you know, I was trying not to be the, the biased fan, you know, looking through my black and yellow uh, glasses, but it certainly seemed like South Carolina was getting a lot of opportunities that Mizzou was not getting. Yeah, and it's not like, I mean, Missouri did a better job getting to the free throw line in the second half, a much better job. But I've always found it frustrating to watch South Carolina um, the last few years since uh, Frank Martin took over just because of the style of defense where they basically don't even bother with trying to defend without fouling. Because they know the refs won't call foul every five yeah. seconds. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to rack up a lot of fouls and – I don't know. It's it's just kind of weird that Missouri was called for two more fouls than a South Carolina team that just doesn't even care about trying not to foul. And and when you look at 50 total fouls called, I mean, it seems like the refs were calling them when they saw them, but when you just know, and especially down low, it seems like that may be the one of the more frustrating things about Tillman fouling out is that he just doesn't get calls when he has the ball exactly down low and uh teams are able to just basically hack at him and push him around you'll see a hand reaching around before the before the ball is passed to him on an entry pass and things like that we're just like man i really feel like if tillman was making that contact that kind of contact on the other end it would be a foul every time but missouri was able to adjust a little bit in the second half they went to the free throw line a lot more and um, South Carolina would pull away. I think they had the lead out to 13, like three different times. Missouri cut it down to three points every time. Um, but Tillman was not on the floor for the second half either. He got his um, third and fourth foul really quick. And then as soon as he came back in, 
with four fouls, picked up the fifth one. So they just really couldn't do anything down low, and they also could not stop South Carolina down low. South Carolina shot 63% on their two-pointers, and when they also made 29 free throws, that's really hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, South Carolina shot poorly from three, just barely over 30%, not terribly, but one of those things Missouri needed to to do better at, either not sending South Carolina to the line, which I think they were never going to do, but then stopping them in, tra- in transition is something that they had to do to win this game if the free throws were going to be the way they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously Chris Silva is a, is a great player. He's been around for a long time. He hurt us a lot down low and at the free throw line. So I agree. I'm not sure that, that was we were ever going to stop him or, or stop them from getting to the free throw line. But um, and things that I think we had more control over, we didn't do so well. So um, this was definitely a game that Missouri probably needed to win um, to keep its tournament hopes alive. Um, and But South Carolina is, is 4-0 in the SEC right now. Um, they just won a game at Vanderbilt last night, so um, maybe they're making a little turnaround. They had a really unimpressive non-conference uh, portion of the year, but not a uh, lot of wins. But they played a lot of really that's good true. teams. Yeah, so. they were about 500, I think. But um, they have really come out strong in SEC play. Yeah, um, Missouri just shooting 45% on two pointers is exactly uh, what we expect at this point especially when Tillman's in foul trouble. And we talked about how um, the guards and wings just need to get better at finishing. And that's that's going to come with age, I think, for a lot of them. Um, in the Alabama game, we'll talk more about, but they, it seemed like they tried to do that a lot more and with varying degrees of success. But against South Carolina, Javon Pickett, had his best scoring game as a Missouri Tiger. He uh, had 21 points on just seven field goal attempts. He was three of four from three and perfect four of four from the free throw line. So it seems like, I don't know, it seems like he of the freshmen and even um, a KJ Santos or Mitchell Smith, he's looks the most ready for SEC play out of any of those guys. Mm-hmm. It looks like to me, and I, I'm still we're t- we're talking about South Carolina, and I'm still going to be considering things that I that I saw last night in the Alabama game. But to me, it looks like Pickett is ready to like lead this team, and he's a freshman. You know, he in in some moments last night, he you know he really just looked like this ball belongs to me right now, and I'm mm-hmm. going to do something with it, and I'm going to I'm going to score right now because we need a bucket. And Something that we've previously only seen from Jordan Geist, basically. Right. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record here about Pickett but, and probably Watson too, but if this season this season may not go in a wonderful direction as far as a, a team aspect goes, but if you're still going to you know, be watching every game, uh, I think that you can find a lot of encouragement watching some of these young guys play and develop because we've seen it ha- happen a lot already. I mean, Watson has already kind of started to gain more confidence. It looks like he's taking the ball to the basket more instead of just only shooting and um, and pick it. Obviously, it's just really kind of exploded in the last few games, and it's just so efficient in a lot of different things he does. So um, you can find maybe some solace in, in the play of some of these young guys. And I think because they are so young, I can kind of overlook some of their deficiencies, especially scoring inside, because they're also not – insanely athletic they're not 
they're not these like sort of part of the reason they're producing so well is because they aren't super raw they're not just raw athletes out there um like we see sometimes with freshmen um but against south carolina it just really showed how they have a lot to improve on around the basket i mean south carolina is pretty good at, at blocking the ball and they blocked missouri seven times and that's I feel like so demoralizing sometimes when you get to the basket, you have a decent look, and then it just gets erased by right. the opposing team. And then that's, I mean, every most of the time that's as good as a steal for them because they get to go the other way in transition. And South Carolina is really good at um, transition offense, and Missouri couldn't really do anything about it. So um, one bright spot, Missouri out-rebounded South Carolina 31-27. to 27, And it just... I don't know. It's it's kind of weird when you look at some of these games. We'll, we'll kind of take a little snapshot look at the SEC as it stands right now after last night's games. But there's a group of teams here that I think, even though South Carolina's 4-0, you can include them in, that could all beat each other regardless of home court at any moment. <laughs> so it'll be interesting when... Uh, Missouri gets a shot at South Carolina at home because I just think Missouri plays better at home and probably we will not see the um, free throw discrepancy for an entire half like we did in the first half of this one. But Missouri falls to 9-5 and five in conference at, or in overall after the South Carolina game, 0-2 in conference, dropped to 92nd in the Kempom ratings. And South Carolina at the time was 3-0. and We now now know they've moved to 4-0 in conference and they're still around 100 in Ken Palm. So anything else about South Carolina before we move on to the more recent matchup? I think that covers it. It was uh, kind of a frustrating game, um, but some lessons learned, I'm sure, for some, some of these young Tigers. Yeah. Um, when we After the Tennessee game, I was like, well, th- that was still a really fun game to watch. I mean, Missouri was really into it. Obviously, Tennessee is really fun to watch play basketball. Yeah, we respect that opponent a little bit. And I was thinking, like, I got to watch Tennessee whenever they're on. Mm -hmm. South Carolina, I'm like, I will do anything possible to avoid watching them the rest of the season. (laughs) They are not very enjoyable to watch as a basketball team. But if they they somehow make the NCAA tournament, I'll be rooting for them. So now, last night, Alabama. Missouri lost this one. 70 to 60. I think we would have needed about four overtimes to get to into the 80s like I uh, predicted. Uh, but I predicted that with one overtime. Um, we'll start off the bat with Tillman again. He picked up two fouls in the first eight minutes of this one. Conzo actually brought him back out in the first half with two fouls, which is something he hasn't done. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think he's done that all season. Um, and Tillman did not pick up the third foul. He actually finished the game with two fouls. So um, part of that, I think, is he just wasn't very aggressive at all in the second half, but we'll get to that. Um, Mark Smith scored nine of Missouri's first 26 points. He was, uh, or if nine of Missouri's uh, 26 first half points, and he was three of six from three. And Alabama was uh, scoring on Missouri like all these teams have. They were scoring in transition, but both teams' offenses were struggling and we saw that all game they would go on stretches where they just couldn't score 
Uh, but the halftime score was 32-26 Alabama, so uh, repeat of South Carolina being down by six at halftime. And but it just looked like if one of these teams could just string together, you know, an eight-minute part of this game where they just scored consistently, that was going to be the team that won. Yeah, I think I'd actually texted you at one point in the second half because Alabama hadn't scored in like you know three or four, maybe even longer, uh, three or four minutes or longer. So, but neither did Missouri. So. Yeah. Um, they had several opportunities, like you said, to get back in the game um, because Alabama just struggled to score at times, and they just didn't. Missouri's offense was pretty bad most of the night. I know they went on a couple of runs. It seemed like, well, uh, are they getting back in it? And that's mm-hmm. like kind of some exciting spurts, and then they would just fall off again. Yeah, I, I just think the inconsistency on offense was more alarming in this one than it has been in either of the other two conference games because Alabama is not anything spectacular on defense. I mean, they're, they're solid, but they're not Missouri only scoring 60 points is pretty disappointing against them. Mm-hmm. And they only scored 26 in the first half. They were only slightly better in the second half. Um, couldn't do anything inside. Um, even when Tillman was out there, I mean, he got, he made some good plays, uh, had a dunk, but it just seemed like, I don't know if it it seems strange that Missouri only shot seven uh, threes in the second half, but also just couldn't do anything inside. Mm-hmm. So it, just the, the offense as a whole, nothing was just, nothing was happening. And like you said, that one stretch at the under eight timeout, uh, Alabama was up 57 to 50. And then with four minutes and 15 seconds left, the score was 57, 51 Alabama. So nothing had happened in that entire stretch, and it just became a boring game with bad offense, some turnovers. Um, Missouri had a weird issue. It it kind of went away in the second half, but was still there a little bit, where they just could not hold on to the ball. They'd be passing it around the perimeter, and it would just – one guy would bobble it and then throw it out of bounds. And Tillman threw it away a couple times back-to-back. All the way past half court from the post and – just strange things like that. And like, and when Tillman's out there, he needs to be – he can't be turning the ball over. I mean, when he's leading the team in turnovers, that's that's not good at all. And it's just the fact that he's out there on the floor, you think you're going to see something special and maybe this team can go on a run. But then every time it seemed like they would go on a run, it was nothing that Alabama did to take them out of it. Missouri would just turn the ball over. They would fumble it out of bounds under the basket or – launch a terrible pass that went out of bounds and so it just was not Missouri's night on offense it was definitely frustrating to watch and made for kind of a lackluster viewing experience yeah it did definitely and to me Mizzou just looked very much out athleted in this game Mm -hmm. is that a uh is that here first serviceable athleted they were um Alabama's got some got some dudes for sure and I mean they're really long and they can all those guys can score probably all I think I think pretty highly rated guys coming out of high school um so and they've got good bench depth which is something obviously Missouri does not have yeah so uh, honestly Alabama I'm kind of surprised they're not better than they are sometimes because they seem to always just kind of be average but um they've got some some crazy athletes with with a lot of length and I think that bothered Mizzou on offense a lot it seemed like even if 
uh, you know, Alabama just kind of clogs up the lanes, you know. They're just – when they all have their arms outstretched and stuff, it's just – it's tough to get the ball where you want it to go and sometimes – and it's tough to, to get a clean shot off when, whenever they're seemingly everywhere. So, um, I don't know. You know, they don't have great defensive efficiency on the season, but I thought that they actually looked like they were playing pretty good defense last night. Yeah. Yep, and uh, I mean they have pretty good interior defense where they can sort of run you off the three-point line and really close out hard on guys, which I think they adjusted and really made that a a concern in the second half. Um, Missouri just one of seven from three in the second half. So if if Missouri just shoots threes like they did in the first half, that's the difference right there, um, and it's going to be a lot closer. But I don't know when when just nothing's working on offense for an entire half. I mean, you take the worst portions of the first half and the worst portions of the second half and put them together. That's an entire half of just nothing happening on offense. Mm. And um, not going to beat very many teams. No, absolutely not. Um, only five of ten from the free throw line. So again, not getting to the line and not very efficient when they did get there. Um, only ten assists compared to eleven turnovers. The 11 turnovers aren't a big deal, um, only 17% of their possessions. But when the ball movement is not resulting in points off of passes, then I don't know. It just seems like over and over again we see Jordan Geis just at the end of the shot clock just having to throw something up. And then mm -hmm. sometimes that's Mark Smith, sometimes that's um, Javon Pickett. But I did want to mention we alluded to it earlier in um, – it was pretty noticeable for anybody watching the game, but Pickett and Watson definitely made an effort to get to the basket. Um, Pickett was just five of 12 on two pointers, but he was really trying to drive to the basket and he, he actually never got fouled according to the box score. Um, there were a few times there where Pickett and Smith, I think would argue that their bumps and bruises show that they did get fouled, but what are you going to do? Um, Missouri mm -hmm. didn't get called for many fouls either. Yeah, I, I think like I said earlier, um, yeah, he wasn't extremely efficient last night, but I felt like I could just see it in his eyes that it's like, we're not, we're struggling right now, and I'm going to take it upon myself to change that, or I'm, I'm going to at least try. And that's just not something you see out of, out of a freshman very often, I don't think, where it looked like he really was ready to put the team on his back last night. And, uh, yeah, Watson had a nice and one that I can think of. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so um, that's, I think that's that's a great sign. So that's they're trying to bring an aspect to this team that is not there really otherwise. Yeah, Mark Smith was, again, really good from uh, beyond the arc. He was four of nine from three. And I think if we can get that sort of production from these guys and if Jordan Geist can kind of return to uh, – return to form like we saw at the beginning of the season and Putting most up of the near triple doubles right i mean <laughs> just anything close to that this game he was oh of five from three and two of those i know were late shot clock situations where he just had to kind of throw one up he would you know pump fake and <laughs> three times and then uh, fire off a three-pointer so but even if he was 0 of 3, I mean, we need something. If he's going to take five threes, we need something to yeah, show from I, that. I think Geist looked a little 
sleepy or something last night. I don't know. He looked a little bit out of it, which is, I, I mean, which is fine. He can't be on it every game. He's played really well lately. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're right. As the senior leader, we're going to need something out of guys to be able to probably pull off a win against a good SEC team. Yeah. And um, between him and Perrier, it wasn't a great night for the seniors. I think Perrier, he didn't force it as much as he has in some of these nights where it's not working for him, but um, he didn't really do much else. Only four rebounds, one assist, um, and four fouls. So, I mean, he just wasn't doing a whole lot in his time on the floor. But I think he, he also only played 18 minutes. We saw a little bit more of KJ Santos. He played 12 minutes. And... Looked like he was able to defend pretty well when he was in there on uh, the Alabama big men. So I I think as Missouri fans, we're going to have to just try to enjoy watching some of these young guys and watch their progression over the season and watch them kind of shore up some of their weaknesses for the future. I think we're, I've never looked at this team as an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I thought out like, five teams off the bubble or five teams out of the uh, tournament field at best Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about being on the bubble and that's going to look like a long shot maybe especially after the next three or four games in sec play if they go poorly but um i kind of want to take a little look at the sec standings and you have anything else about this alabama game nope there's uh i don't have a whole lot to say about this game um the bad news is Missouri is one of two teams now without a conference win. So they're 0-3. The Vanderbilt Commodores are 0-4. Um, if you want a silver lining, Missouri has played Tennessee and South Carolina, who are combined 8-0 in conference, and Alabama now, um, who sits at 2-2. Two and two. And their next two games are unfortunately on the road, but they play Arkansas and Texas A&M, who are a combined 2-6 and six in conference. Yeah, um, without really doing much much research or, or anything like that, I, I think both of these games are winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Texas A and M's just not very good, um, and Arkansas is not as good as they've been. And I, I I feel like Bud Walton Arena used to be really 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 difficult place to win. Like you just weren't gonna win there. They could probably beat anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like they've had some home losses this year to teams that are aren't great so Mm -hmm. i don't think it's as impossible to win there maybe this year as it has been in the past yeah and something i was kind of talking about earlier was this i would say the bottom half of the sec so if you look at vanderbilt missouri georgia texas a&m arkansas alabama and i would actually throw south carolina in there i they're 4-0 in conference but they have had some incredibly close games that they've um held on so far in conference play and overtime win over Mississippi State two-point win against Florida um, and just one by three against Vanderbilt so I think their record will kind of even out a little bit but I think when you look at those six or seven teams I don't know if I'm ready to put Florida in there they're one and three in conference but they're still I think a better team than a lot of these other teams I'm talking about it's just who can withstand the offensive droughts because all of these teams just their offense is going to struggle for good stretches of the game if if the defense they're playing is even remotely competent so if 
it's whichever team can just get out of those droughts quickly, have somebody that can just get a bucket for them when they need it to kind of spark the offense back into gear. But that's going to be Missouri's opportunity is to pick up these games. You got to win one of these next two, I think, to I don't even know what I'm saying that they are trying to do with mm-hmm. some of these wins. Be but respectable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to not lose every road game. Yeah. To, to get to have hope of being around 500 in conference, which I don't see happening. No, but I to, don't either. To beat, the project, to beat the projections and maybe get seven or eight conference wins, you're going to have to knock off some of these teams on the road that are just not scary at all. And I think that starts with Texas A&M. I think Missouri should win this game. I, Spoiler alert, I will predict that they win this game. Um, but if they come out with the sort of offensive play that they had against Alabama – it's going to be stressful and probably not very fun to watch and could be a loss. Yeah, I, I would like to think that Missouri bounces back here, but I'm not sure I can see it, to be <laughs> honest. All right, well, let me see if I can change your mind at okay. all. Um, Texas A&M is 7-7 seven and seven when I wrote this. Let me double-check. Now 7-8 and eight because they just lost to Auburn last night. Um, they're now 99th in the Kim Palm ratings and 93rd on offense and 120th on defense. So looking back at last year real quick, Missouri split other two games with A&M last year. Each team won at home, and A&M lost big men Tyler Davis, DJ Hogg, and Robert Williams, who all decided to give up their remaining eligibility and go pro. And then they also lost Admon Gilder, a guard who was probably going to be a big part of their team this year, to an injury, and he's out for the season. So... Looking at this season, um, they lost some close non-conference games to Minnesota and Washington on neutral floors, and they picked up their best win of the season uh, a few nights ago by beating Alabama on the road, a team that just beat Missouri in Columbia. So um, this kind of goes to the fact that any of these teams can beat anybody regardless of home floor. But they're led by TJ Starks, who is a freshman guard. He is really fun to watch at times. He's got really high usage, one of the highest in the SEC, but he's incredibly inefficient. Uh, Just shoots 25% from three, 44% from two, and just under 70% from the free throw line. Also turns the ball over plenty. Uh, Almost a quarter of his possessions end in a turnover. They are a good rebounding team. They don't force many turnovers on defense, and uh, they do commit plenty of turnovers like I said when when TJ Starks has the ball that's always a possibility they're also one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country so they don't shoot many threes Um, they get a lot of their points from drives from their guards and I think against Missouri they will definitely try to score a lot in transition Um, they also block a lot of shots so not an opportunity for Missouri to improve their uh, offense in the paint but Um, maybe an opportunity to just take advantage of a lackluster defense and find openings and hopefully shoot the ball well and steal one on the road Mm -hmm. yeah gonna have to find the three-point shot I think to have a have a chance in this one Um, but yeah I, I really think Missouri could win this game I think they could win by 
10 or 15. I think they could lose by 10 or 15. Mm-hmm. I just have no idea what to expect in this game. And honestly, I'm really surprised that A&M beat Alabama on the road. <laughs> Me too. That's really pretty surprising. But um, Yeah, in that game against Alabama, they shot three. Texas A&M shot three of 19 from three. And they still won by one point because Alabama was just pretty bad from two, from three, from free throw. Um, I don't know. It's just it's weird looking at the box scores for some of these games because if you just look at it, you would be like, how? I can't figure out how Texas A&M actually won this game. But It's weird that they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, uh, but they're 74th in offense in Ken Palm, at least how you have written on this page. I don't know what they yeah, are Yeah, that changed after. just a little bit after their last loss, so they dropped actually quite a bit, 93rd now. Uh, but still a top 100 offense, which is not something Missouri can say. Um, but I do feel like just the way Missouri defends, I think they they'll be able to. They're not going to make. They're not going to start draining a bunch of threes against Missouri. I think you can count on that. I could be wrong. I mean, they could go off and just be lights out from three, but I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't think this is the game where T.J. Starks just becomes super efficient and beats us i think it'll be a collaborative effort from some of their big men if if they're gonna score a bunch of points on missouri mm-hmm. you've jinxed it now <laughs> yeah well if i'm only going off of uh how they've played so far this season so mm-hmm. if they if they do something crazy and surprise everyone i will be surprised as well <laughs> <laughs> all right i predict an a i predict a five point a and m victory okay and I predict an ugly game, a lot like last night. Oh, I hope not. I don't want to sit through that again. Jeez, <laughs> um, surely Missouri's going to grab one of these. I mean, looking at the schedule, at A&M, we'll talk about at Arkansas here in a minute, then home against LSU and Auburn. I mean, you could be looking at quite easily – a 0-7 start to conference play. So I just feel like they got to grab one of these two road games, and the Texas A&M one is going to be much more attainable than at Arkansas, I would think. So I'm going to say Missouri wins by 7. Okay. We'll see. So now moving on to Arkansas. Uh, that game we played on Wednesday at Arkansas in Bud Walton Arena. Um, Arkansas is 10 and six on the season, one and three in conference play. They're ranked 56th in Ken Palm. So they beat this Texas A&M team that we were just talking about. They beat them on the road <laughs> uh, and then lost home games to Florida and LSU before just losing in spectacular fashion to Tennessee on the road. That uh, Tennessee was humming in mm. the game against Arkansas. They put up 106 points against the Razorbacks. So Tennessee's really good, but we're not here to talk about Tennessee. We're here to talk about Arkansas. Uh, last season, Missouri and Arkansas each won games on their home court. A guy named Jonte Porter was the MVP of the senior night win against Arkansas with 19 points, eight rebounds, four assists, a block, and two steals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. Such an incredible stat line. (laughs) Yeah, for a freshman. 
Um, they from last year's squad, Arkansas does lose guards Daryl Macon, Anton Beard, and Jalen Barford, but they bring back a future first-round draft pick in Daniel Gafford. He is by far their best player. He leads them on offense and defense. He's averaging 17 points, nine rebounds, two blocks, and a steal per game. He's fourth right now on Ken Palm's SEC Player of the Year list. So, I mean, you know what Arkansas is. They are Daniel Gafford. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the Gafford show for sure. And I remember watching him some last year too. He's he's fantastic, and I'm honestly a little bit surprised that he came back for yeah, a sophomore he, he year. He could have gone pro last year, and that was I th- I want to say he and Jonte announced like within this a week of each other that mm-hmm. they were coming back, and it was like, oh, these guys are gonna be, you know, <laughs> major <laughs> going contributors. At it. Yep, going at it, and it was basically everybody was talking about those two and uh, Tennessee basically as being some of the, having some of the best players in the conference this year. And he's lived up. Gafford has definitely lived up to it so far. Yeah, I I would say Gafford's probably one of the best players in the SEC. Um, I mean Grant Williams is is, is the best I think probably, uh, but Gafford may be close. As far as NBA game, Gafford's Gafford's got oh, more yeah. on on Grant Williams. Much higher ceiling I mm-hmm. think as well. So, um, Arkansas did lose to Western Kentucky and Georgia Tech at home this season. You were alluding to some of those questionable home losses. Um, beat Texas A&M, like I said, to open conference play. And uh, they do play at Ole Miss on Saturday, so that'll be a tough test for them before the Missouri game. Um, They don't play as fast as one might expect from a Mike Anderson team. He's kind of backed off of that um, fastest 40 minutes um, in the last couple years, partly because they got to play to the team's strengths. And good on him for recognizing that Gafford's going to be more effective when he's not winded from sprinting back and forth uh, nonstop. He's not as flexible as a guy like Damari Carroll, who was able to just play the fastest 40 minutes. He was basically like your prototypical big if you're going to play that style. Yeah. And Gafford is not quite that, but he still is able to score in transition when this team gets out and runs. And uh, they would be happy to just dump it down to him as soon as their half-court offense starts and let them go to work. Um, they are still above average in forcing turnovers, though. That, that's something that I don't think will ever change with the Mike Anderson team. But they also don't uh, commit many on offense. So you're going to have to beat them. You're going to have to slow them down in transition, which, as I say it, I'm starting to shake my head because Missouri's <laughs> been so bad at that this year. Um, and then if they get them into the half-court, if Tillman's not on the floor, I feel like Gafford is just going to destroy Missouri. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't love this matchup at all. No. Um, with with quick guard to force turnovers and Gafford obviously being a force inside. So uh, this could get ugly, um, <laughs> but you never know. Honestly, we've seen some already some really bizarre things in SEC play in only the first like three or four games. Um, with some of the other teams, Missouri has pretty much done exactly what I've expected it to every game. But I'd say almost everyone else in the league has some weird, surprising win or or loss. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, maybe Missouri can pull off uh, a surprising win here. Yeah, I think um, Arkansas will definitely make it a point to limit Missouri's open threes. I think when you have a guy like Gafford inside, and Missouri does this to some extent with Tillman, you can really close out incredibly aggressively on three-point shooters and just funnel them into the paint and Gafford would love to 
get some extra freebie blocks on guys like Perrier and Pickett and Watson who are are kind of I feel like making a reputation of going to the basket maybe not as aggressively and strongly as some of their SEC counterparts especially juniors and seniors in the league so when he sees some of these guys that are starting to lose control coming towards him coming towards the basket he's probably just going to be salivating waiting to just reject it or maybe I would not be surprised if on some of these lackluster drives he just grabs the ball out of the air with two hands and starts the fast <laughs> break himself because <laughs> he, he uh, he's just able to gobble everything up that comes to him sometimes on defense um I'll be watching for that yeah I, I'll predict it he's gonna grab one out of the air with two hands okay that's how many points does Gafford score against Missouri um I'll say 21 I was gonna say 22 but I don't know 19 of those at the free throw line <laughs> could be <laughs> yeah I mean I think it'll be obviously it's every team's game plan but it's going to be their game plan because they're going to go after Tillman just because they have to I mean he's going to be guarding Gafford and they're going to everything on offense is going to move through Gafford before even if they shoot a three it's going to come out of a post double team pass it back out to the three-point line so um it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I, this, like you said, Missouri does not match up well against this Arkansas team. So, what's your what's your predicted margin of of loss or victory? I think Arkansas will win by ten points. I was going to say nine. Arkansas <laughs> by nine. Weird. Um, I know Missouri played them close last year. I remember we were actually sitting at the Tournament of Champions watching that game on your phone yep. like just like as we're like at a live basketball event we were watching mizzou on your phone um and kind of a heartbreaking loss at at uh yeah exactly at arkansas but <laughs> that um, game they should have won yeah they definitely should have won that one i hope we're not saying that about this one weren't you uh this is kind of off topic but i think i remember you telling me a story about how you were at a missouri state game once because we live in springfield and there was a Mizzou game on at the same time, and you were—it was during the Kim Anderson era, so they weren't good. But you were still watching them on your phone, like oh, yeah. at a live event, and somebody like like brought it up, like behind you or something. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly the situation there. I was with my dad and my uncle. I think I, I might be com- combining two different visits to JQH, but yeah, I mean that's that's always going to happen. I was at a, a work event one time watching uh, Missouri play Vanderbilt in football with my phone kind of tucked under my leg at the um, fancy dinner table. So um, <laughs> if I do what you got to do, yeah, if they're, if I'm able to watch them on my phone, same, I'm the same it's, way. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, sometimes she gets on to me sometimes for not being present in the moment, but I don't know. Most of the time she doesn't even notice. <laughs> Anything else about this Arkansas team? The fighting Daniel Gaffords? No. Okay. A little bit of a depressing podcast. I mean, it's <laughs> is this the season. Stick with us. Had you know maybe a little bit of hope. Maybe this maybe like a month ago or so, two or three weeks ago. Missouri went on that six game winning streak. Yeah, they played some really. They played a nice stretch and um, maybe gave us some hope for for the tournament. Um, I think you're right. I don't think we either one of us really truly believe that that would happen. Um, but 
definitely thought it could, just depending on how things went in SEC play. Um, we found out very quickly that this is not a tournament team, uh, which is okay. Uh, but it it is going to have some some serious bumps um, still in front of us um, in the SEC slate. But, yeah, stick with us. Um, we're, we're still going to have some fun talking about basketball and about this Missouri team, and it'll be, uh, it'll be rewarding to see see these guys accomplish a lot in their careers, you know, next year, whatever it is. I think Missouri has a very bright future. Uh, may not be this season, but a lot, a lot of bright, bright spots um, in the future. Yeah, looking at, the, looking at their schedule one last time, even if they pick up one of these road games in their next two, it's just there's a lot of teams that you just don't see Missouri having the offensive firepower to overcome just playing a better team um they'll have opportunities at home i think that they are better than south carolina so that game when it comes back to missouri should be a win for missouri but kenton right now has them projected to win five sec games and it was seven for a while then it was six for a few games now it's down to five and if they start 0-7, it might be 3. <laughs> so I think a ceiling of 8 wins is still something to maybe hope for, but it's probably not going to happen. Nonetheless, in future episodes, we're going to have some, some more fun talking about whatever happened to some of these uh, Mizzou players of the past. I've got some good ones in the works for us. And... Um, Right now, we've got coverage of the Tournament of Champions. We just posted our preview of that, where we talk about all the teams and some of their noteworthy coaches. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be there for the next three days in the evening. So if you see us, come say hi. We're going to be wearing our Missouri Sports Podcast shirts. We'll be sitting probably over in the media corner. And um, we'll have a little wrap-up mini episode for you afterwards, hopefully with potentially some uh, words from Trey Jackson or his coach at Sunrise Christian um, since he's going to be coming to Missouri. But I think that's all I have for everybody for this week. I think that does it. Um, Next week we'll recap two more games and preview a few more. Hopefully Missouri is not in the middle of a huge losing streak when we do that. (laughs) Hope you're right. All right, you can find this podcast um, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. Everybody should tweet at Kyle some, like, um, inspirational Mizzou gifts or <laughs> um, box scores from the past so that we can cheer us uh, up a little cheer bit up and look forward to a brighter future. But you can uh, find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you, and if you tweet me a, if you tweet me a uh, uplifting gif, I'll automatically follow you no matter what. Oh, there you go. For Incentives. Lifetime. For lifetime. All right. Much love. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next week.